This is the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Each month, we explore love and sex by asking a single question. To find the answers, we speak with experts and listeners like you. This episode contains explicit material. Please proceed with caution. I'm Noah Michelson. And I'm Karina Kolodny. This week's question is, what happens at one of New York City's most exclusive sex parties? So I feel like we've gone so far down the rabbit hole with this topic that I can't really like pick myself back up and remember where this question came from in the first place. I think originally we wanted to look at New York City in general and just some places that maybe had sexy things happening and and try and figure out how people are involved in them. But I think once we locked on the idea of a sex party, we sort of knew there was no going back and that was going to be where the gold was. Right, right. And I I think for me it was... In terms of sex parties, I either think of something like really sort of dingy and and scary or I think of, I don't know, almost something mythical, like something that you'd see on like some silly show like Gossip Girl, but that does it actually exist in reality? I don't really know. Right. And how do people get invited? How do people decide that they want to go? What happens if you're in a relationship and you go? I think these are all just questions that we sort of were batting around and we decided that the best way to figure it out was to actually go to one. Dive in. So we found a party called Chemistry. It takes place a couple times a year in New York, and it is a sex party. After a little internet sleuthing, we got in touch with Kenny Blunt, who's the co-founder of Chemistry New York City. Chemistry has been around for almost a decade, and it's one of the more exclusive sex parties in the city. Kenny started the party with his ex-wife because they couldn't find the kind of sex party they wanted to go to. And now Chemistry parties are held several times a year. What we had seen of what was wrong with swinger parties um, was just too much of a focus on sex. You know, people who are coming to an erotic party, that's a given. You know, they're interested in that. But if that's all the guests have to talk about, if that's all that's on their mind, if that's all that the party is kind of giving, then it's it, it's funny, but it ends up being less sexy. It's, it's not a sexy environment when you're hit over the head with things. So, uh... We wanted to try a different approach. Once we decided that we wanted to investigate a sex party, we realized we actually had to go to a sex party. Right. And that's not exactly as easy as it might sound. You don't just show up and knock on a door, you know, with a secret knock and people let you in. For chemistry, at least, there's an entire vetting process and a questionnaire that you have to fill out before you're even allowed in. After reaching out, we were sent the questionnaire and I had to answer all all sorts of questions. Really interesting questions, though. Well-thought-out questions that took some time and thought. Right. They didn't just want to know how big my dick was. They wanted to know, like, it was like philosophical, almost spiritual things about how we thought about sex, how we thought about our own sexuality, and really what we were looking for. And I think that might be sort of the secret sauce in what they have going on. Well, if somebody wants to come to the party, they, uh, they send us an email or they go to our website and print up a questionnaire. There are two questionnaires, but they're essentially the same. There's one for individuals and there's one for couples. We make two separate in, two separate questionnaires because for couples, we want to make it clear that we want a set of answers from the female half of the couple and a separate set of answers from the male half. We don't want one person doing the questionnaire for both. We want to see that everybody's a thinker and can... Uh, you know, can express themselves. Mindfulness, yeah, just that, that people care about other people. Um, 
you know, things that that don't necessarily hook me in uh, when I'm reviewing applications are, you know, if the best thing that someone can say, like when they tell us about themselves, is they, for example, like video games. That's all they can tell us. Not that a, a video gamer can't make it into our party. They can. Um, but we, we really want to see that uh, that we have socially conscious people. And, you know, we have the benefit of there's a lot of parties out there. There's a lot of things going on, and we're not the right fit for everybody. And there are some things out there that are better fits. And generally, we have a good relationship with other producers too, so we can help bring people if if they're not really looking for what we're what we offer. Once we filled out our questionnaire, we were sent the location of the venue, and it was kind of crazy because I realized I'd actually been there dancing before to this what was a club in the middle of Brooklyn. And the venue was kind of the perfect place for a sex party because it was hidden in plain sight. I mean, it was this huge industrial warehouse space in a pretty well-populated area of Brooklyn, but it was all behind an unmarked door. You could have walked past it and had no idea what was going on inside. And I think that was my favorite part maybe is that it was sort of secretive and that People could be walking by, going to a different bar or different restaurant, and have no idea that what was taking place behind the store. Definitely. It it added a whole new element. Um, And we actually got there early because we wanted to sort of see them transform this space. But even though we were there and it was great to be there, we were just so excited and looking forward to seeing who was going to show up. Um, We were just looking to explore different things both with respect to our sexuality and the different things that we do. And we came to know that there's such a thing as a sex party, you know. And so we've both been adventurous. So we said, let's just apply and try it out. We were both getting divorced. And a part of uh, the divorce, I mean, part of what led us there was that we weren't, our sex lives with our partners weren't great. So we were making up for lost time and just doing the things that we wouldn't have dreamt of doing. Otherwise, we are both nudists and exhibitionists, and this is the place to be for both. So yes, it has definitely been exciting. The second couple we spoke to looked nothing like the first couple. In fact, they looked like the kind of people that you might see at Whole Foods buying granola from the bulk food aisle. They didn't give us their real names, so we'll call them the Johnsons. But they did have a lot to say about their experience at chemistry. We went to one out of curiosity that was uh, La Trapeze that was on 27th. This was years ago, and thinking the sound of it sounded like it would be theatrical with people dancing on pedestals and trapeze. And when we came in, it was more of an old man's like locker club, very smelly with a Chinese bar buffet and um, down dirty sex in these rooms. And we left in about an hour being very depressed and feeling very disgusted. Um, yeah. That was our first experience. Well, it just didn't. So, I mean, in going back, we had sort of had a circle of friends that kind of had experimented with just little, you know, not really parties, but just um, just things would happen at different events and whatever. And so there was already like a curiosity around sort of. For me, it was around separating the idea of like sex and relationship and sex and love and trying to understand those as two separate entities, not so tied up, because I kind of, um, I sort of philosophically thought, gosh, it's like, 
it's it's really you know you you can be in a sexual relationship with someone and not necessarily be a life partner with them or love them yet how many people because of some sort of sexual you know affair or whatever end up breaking off what could otherwise be a really incredible life partnership and it's purely because of you know uh, they can't balance those two things or they don't understand that they're separated or maybe they just don't want to accept in their own self that they are. So I sort of have always been interested in that and interested in like with our, from the minute we met with our relationship of like, I don't want to get caught in that trap of like jealousy and that trap of like, you know, wait, we have this instinctual human emotion that is attracted to other people and that has sort of, you know, kind of these animalistic type, you know, feelings and urges, yeah, that's totally separate from the bond that we share as a couple and the kind of life partnership and all that stuff. And so um, I think early on it was experimenting with like, well, how far could we go and not like destroy our relationship? So um, far, it's been almost 20 years. So. Yeah. But we really took it step by step. Like we really like, we made our own set of rules around like, not really around behavior, but around the communication about it. And um and then it progressed to like, oh, well, we've never been to like a sex club, quote, sex party, whatever. And we'd heard about them in the city. And we tried a couple. There was another weird one that we went to that like the entire thing was filmed Even the with webcams everywhere. And, and so like people like was, at home could watch. It was pretty awful. It was, <laughs> it was kind of a cool experiment during the dot-com days of like webcams. Let's like, you know, broadcast a sex party and... But, like, being there was a totally, literally, the, there was a bathroom cam, and it was like, what is this? Like, people don't need to experience this, uh, me going to the bathroom. But, um, so we, we tried a bunch of different things. We're adventurous, I guess you could say. And then um, we had heard about this one from a friend of mine who's actually a sex writer for a magazine, and she's like, you know what? I know you guys. You guys should try this one. And she thought, we, but we, we found a Burning Man for, um, it'll be our 16th year, so she had also gone and thought it had like a Burning Mess-esque vibe with the um, the uh, music and also the cabaret and the fire spinning and all the different things that had elements to Burning Man. So we thought, well, we'll take a look. And she said, I think they're more sensual parties than yeah. sexual. Well, she described it as it's, it's a great party that also you can go have sex in the other room if you want. You know, that's sort of like, but the focus is on making a really great party and making it a very safe place if you want to explore that. But you can also go and dance the whole night away and, you know, have fun and not never even, you know. So now we know why Kenny started it and we know what the thought process is for a lot of people in attending in the first place. But I think a lot of people who are listening probably want to know what was going on, what was happening. The first thing that people should know is that it was pirate themed, which meant burlesque dancers dressed as pirates, people throwing knives, uh, food that was pirate-themed as well. But when you get down to it, the party was really about people having sex. So I think probably the second or third time, yeah, I mean, we, I think we're really just nervous and finally, like, someone approached us and they're like, hey, let's go, and we're like, okay. (laughs) But, um, yeah, and so then it sort of, has become something but I think we still look for like a chemistry I think we're kind of want that real raw connection with someone so there have been many times we've come and just not 
like felt it. But I, I personally like coming just to be around it because I sort of believe that like being more open about these things just helps us all in our relationships. Yeah, and just uh, so I sort of kind of just like to be around it and be supportive of the people who are coming here and and you know giving it a shot for the first time or whatever um but yeah i mean we definitely also have made some friendships with some other couples and things like that so you know but we do i still think go for sort of an organic thing you know even with people we may have played with before or whatever if we're not feeling it that night we don't really push it um and i think that's actually part of the danger of coming to something like this is that you you kind of have an expectation of what you know you want to get out of it or it's you know it's a lot of money and if I don't you know do this this and this then you know it was a waste of my money but we always came with the idea that you know we just want to go to a great party and have fun and hey bonus if it turns into this amazing kind of experience but let's not set ourselves up for failure because sometimes you're just not feeling it or it's just you don't meet the right people and then it's you know we all know when we've gone down that road and we're like why did I do that <laughs> so um, so I don't know we, we sort of approach it from that aspect and sometimes we just come to volunteer to like help you know and kind of because I, I think the most important thing is creating the sort of the energy and, and the space um, to make people feel safe as a sex educator not to mention just as a casual observer I think both before I went and when I was there I kept thinking about cleanliness and and keeping things safe and sanitary and you know when you're having sex there are unsanitary things and all of the stuff that comes with it right comes with it indeed (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and I think that's the first thing people think of they probably think of like pools of semen and just now I'm thinking about a pool of semen things you know you should be but and there were there were beds lined up against the wall and there were towels available and it, it makes you wonder how do they keep it hygienic we have monitors in our play spaces um, whose job is to monitor the energy of the play space, make sure that, um, you know, if a sheet needs to be changed, uh, sheets will get changed, that it doesn't get too littered with, you know, used condoms, things like that. Um, you know, she'll take care of that. But she'll also, as people are coming in, she'll say, introduce herself, welcome. And One thing that's very important, she lets people know that when you unwrap a condom, that is your responsibility. That The second you break that seal, you have to make sure that goes into the garbage can because otherwise it's gross. (laughs) It's, um, you know, your mother would be ashamed if you left that condom there. So in addition to concerns about safe sex and, and sanitation, I think when people think of a sex party, there's probably also a lot of concern about issues like consent and, and coercion and, and how you account for all of those elements in an environment like this. And chemistry definitely had thought that out. There's the rules that pervade every kind of sex party, the big one, the three-word rule, no means no. I mean, obviously, that's that has to be present, that you know, consent when you're in a, a sexual environment is important. Um, and, you know, the rules were just a little developed from trial and error, but um, basically we just wanted to get the right spirit of things. We wanted to, you know, first of all, we wanted to let people know to come in with confidence that's peppered throughout our rules. Um, You know, we wanted... uh, One rule that came in maybe 
two or three years after we started uh, is a rule that we have about honesty and transparency, which we, we, we feel is important in, in this kind of playground. Um, it's not that we're trying to make a judgment uh, judgments on people, and I, I'm not sure if this is making sense, but uh, you know, when people are using a party to break a commitment with somebody else or to, you know, my husband doesn't understand this part of me, so I want to do this, that, that brings a certain energy, which even though we're not saying you shouldn't do that, that that kind of affects the that affects the party and other people don't necessarily want to uh, unknowingly get involved with, with that. Um, so there's that. Uh, we've been going for nine years and we haven't had any real like breach of safety where there's been anything that somebody has come to us afterwards. And, and this has been like a terrible issue. I mean, I, I think the first step is really getting people who kind of understand and get it. And part of the process, actually, of screening and going through this more of a deal than other events do to get in the door, one of the reasons why that's important is that lets people know that we're serious about the rules, that, you know, that we're serious about the environment more than I think some other places are, that we're, we're not just in this to get your money, that we're, we're really in this to create an experience that is safe. When we spoke with two of the burlesque dancers, Pinky and Danger Doll, who performed on Saturday... They agreed with Kenny. You, know, you perform, burlesque happens everywhere, in every in theaters and bars and restaurants and fancy speakeasies and, you know, dives apartments. and apartments and everywhere. And in the context of this party, you know, there are very, very clearly defined rules of consent um, yeah. that everyone is aware of when they come here. Whereas when I've performed in some environments, especially more corporate environments, um, they don't necessarily have as much of a understanding of the rules involved and they may be a little bit more inappropriate uh, or expect more than you are actually doing, you know? And so that uh, is not a problem that you have here. So in many respects, it's kind of a safer place to perform. I think a lot of people are probably curious about what it's like to have sex in an environment like that. And when we asked the Johnsons, I was kind of surprised because they were really nonchalant about it. It was clear they were really comfortable. And for them, it was a lot less about the act of actually having sex and more about the connection and intimacy that came with it. I felt like I was in my own world. So I was just very interconnected with the people around me and everything else sort of melted away. So I I wasn't, I think when you're really into it and then the the people that you're involved with, I think everything else doesn't matter. There were times where we would like, go into a room and, and like sit down and, you know, try to feel comfortable when we weren't feeling it. And so I do think that, you know, even that we're more experienced in quotes, uh, I do think that there are times still where we're just like, eh, I don't know if this is the vibe for me. Then you can go to the other room or go to like these little tents that they have or whatever. But I do think once you find that spot that you're comfortable or for us really the first time, you know, that we kind of played here it was the couple that we were with was just there was just an intense energy between us all um and I, I actually learned a lot of things just about myself and my own kind of boundaries that I didn't really know about so it was I kind of forgot that there was anyone else around me and I do think that even if I noticed it I sort of thought that was you know fine and cool and everyone was very respectful that's the other thing is that it 
they really have a sort of a no kind of spectator rule. So if someone's just sitting in the play area just gawking, gawking at people, <laughs> they're going to ask them to leave. It's sort of like, you know, Either you got to sort of be, a, yeah, a, a participatory, you know, energy. You don't necessarily have to be doing something, but I do think they do a good job of controlling that as well. But what about the one question that many people are probably still grappling with? Is this even legal? We invited an expert to weigh in. I'm Diana Adams. I'm an attorney and a legal academic, and I study the future of the American family and our evolving relationship with monogamy and marriage. Many events like chemistry um, and uh, events that have a sexual nature brand themselves as a private club uh, that has members because that gives you a lot more privacy and a lot more protection from the law um, as opposed to if you were saying we're a bar or a club that also has uh, sexuality, then you start to fall under the same kinds of laws that would affect uh, exotic dancing clubs that don't allow toplessness, perhaps, or don't allow nudity if you're also selling alcohol. So in order to get more privacy, if clubs brand themselves as requiring membership, even if that membership is relatively casual, then they can have a lot more privacy um, in terms of not facing public scrutiny. In practice, in New York City, the harassment that venues face if they're considered a public nuisance is pretty high. So there can be proxy issues like a noise complaint or complaints about cigarettes on the street, even if you're not actually being attacked because you uh, have sexuality at your parties. But many of the um, dungeons and uh, dominatrix professional spaces in Manhattan have been run out uh, of Manhattan and run out of their spaces for those kinds of vague public nuisance issues, um, as well as for a very broad definition of prostitution in New York State, which is sexual conduct for a fee. Um, and what sexual conduct is defined as is very vague. So if somebody gets arrested for prostitution, they have the choice of either basically taking a misdemeanor slap on the wrist, don't get arrested for this again, or fighting. Uh, I don't think that what I was doing should be considered sexual conduct for a fee and risking losing that, having that be in the paper, so people don't fight it. People get arrested for prostitution and they just go away. So a lot of people who work in a sexual field have faced challenges. Um, and in terms of people who are, who are uh, throwing parties that are sexual in nature, I think that once they establish some privacy and perhaps keep a roving location, as long as they're not creating that kind of nuisance, New York has enough other issues to deal with and, and seems to let things uh, slide under the radar. What's very likely in that kind of situation is that the people who are throwing the party would say, this is a private event. This is a, a private party for a members-only club. And so at that point, it's more akin to somebody's having a raucous birthday party. Someone's having a private bachelorette party at their own loft. If this is a members-only club, then that should be something that's more within a private domain. And so the debate with the police would be, it doesn't seem like this is a private club. We sent in an undercover officer who just was able to pay at the door and get in. That's not a private club. And so that might be the kind of debate there. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that many of these kinds of events have elaborate screening procedures. And that's also to keep these events really safe spaces. If you're listening to this and thinking, hmm, that's kind of interesting and maybe something I want to explore, we've got some advice from the Johnsons on how to broach the topic with your partner. I, I really think, it, for me, I, it always goes back to some sort of psychological game I play with myself of, like, breaking down, like, you know, uh, I think with her, I, I literally started the conversation, like, you know, do you think that basically, uh, you know, a relationship is all about sex? Is that the most important thing in our marriage? And, you know, of course, she'd be like, no, no, not at all. 
And I'm like, well, so, you know, on the flip side, if it isn't, you know, would that be the one thing if I went and played with someone else, you know, would that, would that mean that we're done forever? And that's a tougher question, even though, you know, you just answer, no, sex isn't the most important thing. But if you went and played with someone else, then no, then we're done. But we had, ba- like, we had baby steps. In so, yeah, so we started like, there and it's like, okay, well, what? Maybe in front of me, maybe yeah. if, I'm, if I'm with you, not like where I don't know. And then to the point where you can, but, you know, um, let me know what you're doing beforehand, not keep it a secret, you know, because everything, as long as you're open communication, nothing's a secret, then it's really not an affair. It's not like anything that's taboo. As long as you tell people, you know, you just have that. I also think, open. like, for fantasizing for a while with it, like, you know. Yeah, we do um, fantasize for Yeah, a we'd long sit there time. in bed and talk about, like, okay, like, would this turn you on or would this turn you on if someone was, you know, and when you start to bring other people into those fantasies, you can start to get comfortable with that idea. Um, but really, it's about identifying what is that fear. Like, we all will say that sex isn't, you know, the number one thing that defines a marriage and defines a relationship, yet it's probably a major factor in why a lot of relationships go bust. So I think resolving that is, is, um, is important. A lot of people are afraid that sex parties or swinging or non-monogamy could end up ruining their relationship. But in fact, for a lot of the people we talked to, it was exactly the opposite. Diana, the attorney we spoke with earlier, had some insight from her practice working with couples. It's amazing how much couples who have so much intimacy and closeness can feel a sense of taboo around speaking about sexual desire or monogamy with their partner. And I see really sad situations sometimes in which couples are having challenges and it turns out that for five years, for 10 years, each of them wanted to have an open relationship or each of them were having affairs but not talking about it and feeling like they couldn't talk about it. And, and I think that people will do infinitely better by having that deeper openness, especially to prevent things like infidelity, to feel like you know, you'd rather have honesty than to have a situation of a breach of trust. So for people who are interested in broaching this conversation, I think they can start out really gently when they're speaking to a partner um, in terms of saying, we know some people who are exploring open relationships. What do you think about that? I think it's pretty interesting. And starting in a relatively neutral way um, and just sort of being able to percolate on that as a topic or talk about wouldn't it be sexy and fun if we could do something like that together? What do you think? I think that starting really gently is going to be a better approach than saying, I've been dying to sleep with my best friend for five years. You know, you want to start really gently in terms of how you present this to somebody so that it's clear that you're really excited about your primary relationship that you're in. And you're maybe just curious about ways that the two of you could explore together. Um, And I think that creating a culture as a couple in which you encourage each other to um, speak up about things that could be difficult to say no and say, you know, thank you for taking care of yourself and saying no to that um, can help people feel a greater permission that they don't have topics that are off limit with their partner. In her experience, Diana has found that the major factor preventing couples from exploring sex parties and things like non-monogamy is jealousy. So jealousy is definitely a factor for uh, couples to navigate if they're talking about defining Um, monogamy as more monogamish or more of an open relationship. And I think that that's also something that can be very individual. I think as a culture, we have taken jealousy as a given and encouraged that emotion 
Um, so, for example, there are lots of other emotions. If you might feel um, hurt or sad or left out, we don't we don't allow those to be excuses for all sorts of bad behavior. But jealousy has been an excuse for manslaughter. Um, jealousy is an excuse to throw a drink in a woman's face because she's talking to your husband. We allow all sorts of terrible, uh, rather childish behavior or violent or destructive behavior with jealousy as an excuse. And I think that just like those other emotions, it's possible to actually just process the jealousy and think about where that's coming from. I see many people who are trying to open up the relationship and one person has always been passionately interested in having an open relationship and sexual adventuring and doesn't feel particularly jealous and the other one is really jealous and feels really confronted. And it would be wonderful if they had talked about that 10 years earlier before getting to the place they're in now. You know, um, So I'm always encouraging people to have that greater openness with their partners. We're certainly not saying that everyone needs to go to a sex party or even engage in non-monogamy. But the one thing that we think everyone can take away from our trip to chemistry is that being open and honest about your desires can lead to a stronger, more satisfying relationship. We had friends, very good friends, that uh, we kind of mentioned about this party and whatever, and the, the, the husband was like, no way, don't even mention something that to my wife. She's very, like, strictly religious, and she probably will even just look at you differently as friends if she even knows that you guys are involved with this, and he's sort of like warned me against like even mentioning this whatsoever and so we're like all right you know I guess we'll just have to sort of keep quiet and then at one point we were alone with his wife and we just things came out and we sort of like started talking about it and turns out she was totally intrigued by it and stuff like that <laughs> so I went back to him and I said I don't think you know your wife very well <laughs> and they started talking and next thing you know like they came to one of these and they had a tough time the first time because they had never talked about any of this stuff but like after now a couple times coming and amazing. now they like they probably come more regularly than we do but, you know but it's funny because he had made an assumption about his wife and his relationship and he had never really thought about this yet they had they were even having trouble where he was sort of you know, communicating with an ex-girlfriend and with these romantic texts and she found out about it and there's all this stuff going on that really was about to kind of fracture their relationship and then once they started talking about these issues and realizing that, wait a minute, like we can use this as a source of, you know, uh, pleasure and a source of kind of enhancing our relationship, uh, it, it totally changed the game and, and I mean he still will say to us like you saved our relationship even though, you know, Chemistry saved the relationship, yeah. right? <laughs> so, now that we know what we know, next time chemistry or a similar party rolls into town, are you going to be heading that way, Noah? My secret is that I've been to a sex party before, but it was much more straightforward. Like, you did show up, and people were just having sex. I actually think I would much rather go to a party like chemistry, where there are things to sort of break the ice, and it's not just about okay, there's your dick, let me hop on it. But let's actually talk, let's talk about what's going on. I like foreplay, I think foreplay is great. I think chemistry offers that. Karina, will you be going to chemistry or any other sex party in the near future? I mean, never say never, but in the near future, no. Not because I didn't enjoy going and sort of discovering and finding out what it was all about, but because that's never really been something that I've wanted to do. I get that. I think there was something for me really exciting about the Johnsons, this couple, that did look like they, they go to the PTA at a party like this, and, and actually that they're still together, and they said they have three kids, and 
but they're finding ways to sort of understand what they want and they're talking about it. That's what I love the most, I think, about this, is that people are talking about sex and communicating about it and being really healthy about it. Well, and it reminds me of the episode we did around BDSM and going to that club and how to be in that type of relationship, you have to have these open conversations. And I think whether you want to go to a BDSM club, whether you want to go to chemistry, or in my case, whether you don't want to do any of those things, you can still really look at someone like the Johnsons as a role model. Like these are people that are not putting themselves in a box. They're they're doing what works for them and they're not ashamed of it and they're having communication and I don't know, I, I admire it. Just talking to these people, it, I think it's all about giving yourself the permission to want what you want. Right, it's being introduced to a more open community or a more open way of thinking in whatever setting. I think it just makes you more open. It makes you feel more comfortable, whether it's talking about sex or having it in a room full of pirate-themed people. (laughs) And now we've come to the end of this week's episode of the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Please download, rate, and review our show on iTunes. If we get more gold stars this episode, HuffPost will allow us to create our own private pirate club. Thanks to our producer, Caitlin Baguki, and to Jorge Corona for production assistance. Get excited for our next episode because it's all about dating 1.0. Yep, what's dating like in 2015 if you're doing it offline? And is it even possible? We're going to find out. I definitely don't want to go back to a sex club, but I kind of want to be a pirate. Oh, that's, that's good, because I've got a peg leg for you, Karina. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Show me your booty. No. <laughs> Too many pirate puns. Not enough pirate puns. Never enough. You're right. <laughs>